All right, guys. So we are here with Mr. Alex Hernandez. If you've done live music anywhere in Corpus Christi, you have definitely rubbed shoulders with this genius. He's a great guy, and we're really glad to have him on the podcast today. So welcome, Alex Hernandez. What's up, man? Hey, man. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. When you when you said, hey, you want to do a podcast? Like, all right, cool, cool. Like probably a couple of months from now, we'll get things organized. Then I saw you posted, hey, first two seasons already booked. And I was like, oh, man, OK, so probably till next year, once I'm, my name <laughs> comes up, then you're like, hey, next week. Like, OK, season season one, episode one. Like, all right, let's let's do this. I'm, I'm incredibly honored. We like to Incredibly start strong, honest. man. We like to start strong. So we're super stoked to have you. And this is, <laughs> you know, really laid back. Like this, this whole podcast is very much about uh, Corpus getting to know the people that are doing music, that are promoting music, and just in the music. You know what I mean? Because sometimes mm -hmm. we go and, and we see a show and maybe we don't know who's on stage. This is definitely aimed at connecting you with the people that are doing music. So... What That's better, fun. what better yeah. way, what better way? So, tell me a little bit about yourself, man. Where did you get your start in music? Um, I know you're from Mathis, right? Yes, yes. yes. All right, so t <laughs> give us a little, give us a little rundown. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh man, so oh, okay, so just sticking with the music stuff. So it really started with uh, with my uncle. He was playing guitar, and he needed somebody to practice with, and so he taught my brother how to play music. And so while he wasn't able to play outside, he was, you know, my uncle was making him learn how to play music. And then him and I, my brother is essentially like where it all started with. I, I brought up my uncle because that's where, you know, he was teaching the music. But it was pretty much my brother hanging out with him, watching him and his friends do his stuff. That was where I learned about like Mr. Bongo and Primus yes. and Metallica. And like that was like fundamental, like hearing stuff like that, uh, the things that he was into and his passion. And that's where that really started and so my journey was hey i want to learn to play guitar because he played guitar yeah so he was like okay here's a bass get your fingers strong and then i'll i'll teach you some guitar and i just never left bass and that was pretty <laughs> much it so i started bass oh man i can't even remember how old i was like 11 or 12 or something maybe 10 or 11 i was playing bass and then um in uh, a band i joined band because my cousin henry uh he played in band he played the saxophone and so i picked the euphonium because it was the cheapest instrument you just had to buy the mouthpiece and i knew i mean growing up in mathis uh and, and not very affluent so i knew like okay like i can get in a band this is how much it costs i don't have to spend a lot uh played euphonium all the way up until um oh and i had some really great teachers my life musical life is essentially just a series of great teachers and people that I've found or came my way that I've learned everything. Nice. And yeah. And my, my band director, I have, I have a huge uh, respect for, for band directors because they affected my life. So Juan, Juan Blanco, he was one of my first band directors that really taught me a lot of stuff. And he unfortunately committed suicide um, while I was in high school. Uh, so that was a, a big part of us. Um, yeah, and so after, and, and then series of band directors, uh, Benitez, Eddie, Eddie Benitez, mm -hmm. I think he was, he was, yeah, he was our band director. Craig Ewing was another pivotal uh, um, band director that was really influential on me and, and my friends in Mathis. Uh, so I had to definitely give credit for all those people. Um, That's after, amazing. Yeah, after, and and it was funny because I would tell people, hey, I want to, 
I want to do music for my life, like for my career. And for people in math, they're like, oh, so you want to be a band director? I was like, no, no, absolutely <laughs> not. I, I know what we put them through. <laughs> so, so all my band director friends that I know now, like I have huge, huge, incredible respect for them. Like those are, those are the people who are going to influence people like me that this stuff is great. This stuff is cool. And then doing discipline and, and focus and um, instilling like a drive and passion. Yeah. So, so, so was that like a, a very clear shift when you were in, in band where you're like, this is it. Like I'm going to do music. Or was um, it, was that later on? When did that shift happen? Where okay. You- so, so the shift of like, like I, I, I always wanted to do music, but I didn't know what you could do to like, have a career in it or be sustainable yeah you know there was a couple of people in mathis that played in bands but like not anybody that was like this is all they did and they didn't have a side hustle yeah like i remember i remember a kid hearing that whole uh saying like oh you want to be a musician first thing you need to do get a real job (laughs) and and that was my reaction i was like oh man like that's funny but that's terrifying that (laughs) it's not it's not possible as as i got older and it did become my job um i realized that no get a real job first start doing music really build up the music side and then once you have that ready to go then you can let go of the real job and now you're doing music all the way and and as i got older it completely reversed in my head like oh now it makes sense so i would tell anybody if you want to get into music get a real job first (laughs) and then you'll eventually find your way there. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's, that's cool. Like I, I definitely have that same mindset where it's like, you got to have some side hustles and speaking mm-hmm. of side hustles, you do sound as well as play bass as well. I've seen you in mariachi bands. I have no, I've seen you in mariachi <laughs> bands, but that, that makes you such a rounded person. So can you speak a little bit maybe about like, um, just the roundedness of not just being a bass player, but also being a violin player as well and also knowing how to take care of sound and recording and stuff like that that's a really really great question because like i've thought about that from the beginning that that was actually a very uh important decision every every move that i've made in my life has always been a series of like conclusions that okay if i'm gonna do this then i have to do this or understand this in a much grander conceptual way so realizing that you know i knew i could play bass yeah uh, and there's people that make their living playing bass, but I guess I didn't have the self-esteem to be like, well, I'm going to be the greatest bass player ever. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well, I can learn bass. I know euphonium. Uh, I'm going to learn recording production. I'm going to learn like, you know, doing as many different things as I can. Like if I realize if that, if I, I just wanted to be doing music, it didn't matter what it was. So if I wanted to be part of a music scene or a music industry or make that my career, I need to be able to do as many things as possible so that yes. I'm valuable and an asset. And this was like, uh, like probably out of high school realization. Okay. Like, okay, if I want to do this crazy idea, then, okay, I gotta, I gotta be really good at playing bass. You know, I should probably learn another instrument. you know, and that's where the violin thing came from where I had, um, I, w- I wanted to go to college and it was funny. I was recruited to Delmar by Dr. Russell, okay, who played okay. euphonium from uh, at Delmar, 
And uh, she was like, hey, Alex, you should come over to Delmar and, you know, you play euphonium and stuff like that. I'm like, all right, all right, cool, cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go to Delmar. That's a good first step. Then I thought like, but I don't want to play euphonium. You know, I yeah. thought nobody gets gigs on euphonium. Like, <laughs> I don't I don't see guys getting hired like that. So I was like, well, violence. Cool. I'll sure. Cool. I'll pick it up. And that was like my decision to play violin, like the, one of the stupidest decisions ever, because it's <laughs> incredibly difficult instrument to play yeah yeah uh but that was my thinking i was like well i know bass i should learn the top so let me learn violin and and cheesy as it is i saw a fiddler on the roof in high school in english class okay and i remember like just sitting there in english class and then you know I was like, oh, that's kind of cool that's kind of cool whatever and then it's like perlman does the whole solo and i stopped and was like what the hell that that's possible that like i've heard violin stuff before like little melodies but nothing that it was like the first time hearing les claypool yes that, where yeah. i was like cool i can play bass i know some metallica and some you know acdc or whatever and then you hear primus and it's like it's a bass what what the hell is that and so that was <laughs> where i was like okay like violin's cool I'll, I'll just learn that and maybe I'll get some gigs or something like that. And I'll just be a more rounded individual musician so I can like have something. And, and it, it worked out. I joined a mariachi group and yeah. that paid for the last half of my, like uh, pretty much my recording engineering studies mariachi nice. had paid for. And it was a pivotal part of, of me like being even more rounded because the individuals I met and worked with, while playing violin and mariachi, I learned so much else about it. Um, yeah, so that's like the violin kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so and, and the recording. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say you kind of segued into it because I was going to ask you about your recording because that's just another step. So you start with tuba, you start with bass, actually, and then you went to tuba mm -hmm. into violin. Euphonium. 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 There, euphonium. there is a difference, <laughs> and I'm still... <laughs> I don't oh, play it anymore, but all of us, it was like, it's not a baritone. It's a euphonium. euphonium. We're not tubas. <laughs> I should know better. I should definitely know better. <laughs> so, yeah. So that just opened the door to recording engineering. So was that because mm -hmm. Delmar has a, such a strong program with that? Yeah, I, I was lucky to get in and see it grow. So the great. Dr. Paul Bissell. Yes. So this is another another person in my my um, life that was a huge influence on me, and um, um, yeah, I, I get to work with him now, and it's it's insane. Like we're we're colleagues. This is yes, weird. Okay, yeah. you're you guys give me way too much responsibility. <laughs> um, so I'm in Del Mar, and I. I, I took up studying violin with Todd Ale, who was another uh, great, great professor individual that, that helped me through uh, my life and my career. Um, I was doing theory and composition. Nice. And so I thought if I'm going to study music, I'm not going to do performance. Like I knew I'm not going to be the greatest violinist. I'd be happy just playing second violin. Like, Hey, like that, those are cool parts. Those are really interesting, intricate parts. So I was happy with that. <clears throat> and uh, I was like, okay, so let me do theory and composition. That sounds really, really fun. Um, Beethoven was a huge influence. Danny Elfman. Uh, 
nice. the first day of class, they asked us, who are your biggest musical influences? And I was like, Ludwig von Beethoven, Danny Elfman, and Mike Patton. And that's it. Uh, I mean, that's not all of it, but yeah. those, are the, those, <laughs> those are the big three. So I'm studying theory and composition with Dr. Neil Florey. Um, great, great composer, great teacher, like super passionate about uh, music theory um, and, the, and the art of it. And I was getting to the point where I had did all my classes that pertain to all that stuff. And I had music literature, history, and I think government or something like that. The, the, the like, essentials that you have to take, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it got, it got to that point. And Dr. Bissell was doing like music technology and like an electroacoustics class, nice. I believe. And at a certain point, it was interesting seeing it because I had some friends taking like, oh, all these different like computer classes and, and uh, production and stuff. And I think they had a recording class or something like that. And he had all these classes built up to a point where he realized, or I, I guess it was his grand plan or something that cool. Now I have an entire like recording program built up and Delmark got accredited. And the year that they got accredited for a sound recording technology program, I was like, let's go there that sounds fun nice. let's do this and, and i had done like some light small recording stuff i mean you, you play in a band with friends yeah yeah, yeah, and yeah. do some recording things you know and so that's where i got started with uh, the srt program so what was the and, first thing you recorded with was it tape or did you go straight to see or was it cd what was what was it, when, it was, when you started when you started your journey because you said that it started when you were younger so like was that tape or was it you know recording off of somebody's computer i remember um i mean it, it was like okay recording songs that i liked off of the the radio just hitting you play and record at the same yeah. time holding the holding the, uh, the 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 tape deck up to the to the TV because I really like some like the Mission Impossible soundtrack, which yeah. Danny Elfman had did. I didn't realize that. And I was like, I love this arrangement. So <laughs> and I couldn't buy it and it wasn't available at the time. So um like like little things like that playing around. My cousin and I, I remember we were playing around like making mock-up like news reports, doing like audio tape recording skits. Nice. I think the first time I ever really like recorded myself, I had an ace of bass tape that I, I really dug at the time, but I think I was already falling out of fashion with it. <laughs> and I, I just recorded myself playing euphonium. I was like, I need like I wonder what I sound like. Yeah. Like I'm curious. And so I put the piece of tape on the tape recorder, recorded over Ace of Bass, and <laughs> and I think that was the very first time I ever recorded myself. That's amazing. Yeah. I hadn't <laughs> thought about that in a while. So um, so now you're in the digital realm. Yeah. And yeah. I and I I don't have that like I come from tape and I understand analog. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm a, I'm a digital baby. Yeah. yeah, yeah I, yeah. I knew that full well. So <laughs> do you went in your classes because you're, you're an adjunct right at, at uh, Del Mar for recording technology. Yes. Do you mm -hmm. start with that and just tell them, Hey, never forget where you came from. Or is it kind of like, okay, we were there. Let's, let's stay here because this is what the future is. Yeah. So the, the way, uh, that we teach the class. It's it's all it's, it's Dr. Bissell's house, and I just help him out. Um, <laughs> we start with analog concepts. You know, um, I mean, we're not going about like you know what what specifics of tape and like audio engineering one, but it's here's the fundamentals of sound, 
and uh, um, audio acoustic stuff, how energy is kind of passed, polarity and phase frequencies, understanding decibels. And by the end of that first class, which anybody can take, mm-hmm. um, there's no prerequisites for it, it's signal flow. And you have to understand how a console like works out. Okay, all the con- yeah. all these consoles throughout the throughout history, they've pretty much ran the same since the first one was built. You know, built by Bill Putnam, um, when the way it's been laid out, and so it's all been following the same format. Once digital happened, digital pretty much like it. Digital opens the gates up for anything and everything yeah. and all yeah. possibilities. But it's so much easier to understand. Okay, here's how traditionally things worked out. Now, when you go to a DAW. Okay, here's the signal flow. Here's how things come in. Here's the way they do aux channels, or here's the way you know a compressor works, or, or how things need to be routed. Yeah, so we you we teach them a fundamental core of here's how an analog console works, and and even here's how an Allen Heath analog console works. Here's yeah. a Yamaha. Here's a Soundcraft. You know, um, and we bring up other examples of different consoles. You know, but but pretty much it's they're all different cars but you jump in a car and you're like steering wheel shifter gas <laughs> brake clutch let's go yeah cool yeah, yeah, you, know, yeah. you get another car and it's like porsche feels kind of weird but <laughs> boom, you just take off yeah it still has a gas pedal still has the steering wheel and everything else mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. well that yeah yeah that that makes a lot of sense and i'm, I'm really glad that you guys do that because i have a couple of friends that are in that program and, and they're just like they're growing like leaps and bounds each semester and it's just kind of like oh, really cool to see you know what i mean good and it's a really good segue because we have actually this this little segment that we like to call what's in the box oh what's in the box what's, what's in the box good thing i'm not married <laughs> <laughs> well yeah 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 so <laughs> all right so what we have in the box today and this is this is uh this is gonna be awesome this is a compressor. Hey, yeah, Cali seventy six. So based after the the eleven seventy six that we all love in the recording right, industry. Right, right. Ooh, so, are we getting nerdy? Let's we're gonna get, get nerdy. nerdy. We're gonna get nerdy for a little while. Which oh uh, yes, I'm so excited about getting nerdy with you. <laughs> so I was like, let's, let's talk about yeah, compressors. Let's talk compressors because there's so much confusion with compression, mm-hmm. especially in in a studio format. So maybe just give us the the basics of how you use or how you teach compression maybe in a studio format and how you use it because bass players are very like specific about compression. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, some some people love it and use a ton of it. Some people just where are you at with compression? Oh man, this is this is fun. Um you're asking a lot of cool questions because these are <laughs> things that I've like like I just literally sit and think about and just ponder. I'm like yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> so compression, um, man, yeah, it's 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 super difficult talking because there's like uh, like that stomp box. There's compression like that where okay, now we're we're kind of shaping the sound of what we're gonna use to make it like an aesthetic. So really slamming into it might do something. Um, you know, it might make it pop more. It might make it uh, a little bit more stable. Um, and then there's like compression in the studio where you can now you're adding the ability of let's do also something character which is what the stomp boxes do but utilitarian wise where this bass isn't sitting or i'm not getting enough energy or it's there's things that are popping out that need to be controlled cool let's put a compressor on it and then and then contain it um 
in the different types of compressors, learning learning compression on on digital format is is terrible. It's 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 super super terrible because you have from point one microseconds to like five minutes or something like yeah. that on attack and release. So let, yeah, let's let's get nerdy about this. So <laughs> <clears throat> that was a struggle for me when I was going through it, um, and I started laying heavily on like the analog stuff, like like the eleven seventy six, the uh, uh, the LA two A um, compressors that like just do a thing and that one thing, or, or like the DBX, like the DBX compressor just like just past year has became like my favorite compressor. Now I've really understood how to use it. It's so simple, but you can kind of can use it wrong sometimes. Yeah. But it does incredibly amazing things that I can't find other pressures compressors can do. Um, I'll talk about that one in a, in a bit. Yeah. But like, I, I feel like uh, the waves classic, like compressor pack. Those are really good ones of like, learn what an 1176 sounds like. And what it does and also there's like there's like basic settings that we've used and found to be really nice like i was at a point where i'm like put it at like this most generic setting that everybody uses the slowest attack and the, the fastest release and then cool go on to the next thing and, and after i started using it i realized like i kind of want the attack a little a little faster yeah and yeah, let me let me slow down the release a, a little bit more and the more i used it the more i'm like yeah, I'm I'm starting to hear it now. Now I can move it, and so now it's taken me a while, but I can hear when you know the the attack and the release has been changed on 76, or it's like no wait, that's not pumping correctly. Let me slow down that release just a little bit so it's not doing that that you know uh, thing we don't want it to do. Um, that took me a really long time to to conceptualize and to hear, and then then going to like. Once, once you start to get what, what those compressors do, like how aggressive a 76 can be mm. and how nice and clean an optical optical compressor can be or, or a VCA or the, or the DBX, the way, like the, the way the DBX compressor slams and it pumps very specifically. It's all program dependent. So you can't go to a digital compressor and be like, oh, yeah, it's this setting because it's, it's always doing something yeah. different in response to the audio. Um, I had a really cool reconfirmation about compression because thinking about what all these great analog compressors do of slower times and, and, and uh, releases and attack and ratios, I got to digital and I was like, I just want a sim the simplest compression settings like I can set on a digital and then just crank it and then not worry about it. And then if I need to revisit it and correct it, cool. Yeah. And I was messing around with it. And I settled on like 10 millisecond attack and like a hundred millisecond release. Uh, if anybody's, you know, you've been messing around with digital compressors and is kind of confused by it or like, I don't know, or rethinking their compressor game, <laughs> set it at that 10 and a hundred. And then just, it, it's, it's generic basic compression. And so I settled on that. And then I've been listening to this podcast literally the two greatest engineers in the world, Ken Pooch and Chris Rabbled. I mean, obviously they're out of work right now. They got together and they're like, let's talk. Yeah. Shop. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if, if anybody is into live sound or engineering, go check out that podcast. It's so much resources in there. What's and the name they of the a, podcast? Um, it's, it's, he has the wrong end of the snake. 
what is it called? Oh man, <laughs> that's a cool name. The wrong name of the snake. <laughs> th that's another one he has with his uh, uh, um, monitor engineer Ken Pooch does. Oh, yeah. it's like Chris well, Chris Rabbled and Ken Pooch. I don't even know what the name is. We'll, we'll link it at the bottom. We'll link it at the bottom. I know, you just I go put you on the spot there. <laughs> Ken Ken Pooch and Chris Rabbled. Uh, I can't believe I'm for, I'm gonna have to pull up my phone and look at it. <laughs> Oh man, I feel like an idiot now. Ah, we'll leak it in, but, the, uh, in the bottom. Don't even worry. Yeah, so they have a, an episode on uh, compression. Oh, pooch and rabble. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah, saying, of course, it, it would be <laughs> something as basic as that. They had an episode on compression, and Chris Rabble was was like, you know, you put a, a compressor at 10 millisecond, you know, attack and 100, 150 millisecond release, you're basically not committing and it's a good starting point. And I was like, yes, <laughs> I was right. Like, it's amazing. One of, the, one of the greatest guys in the world is like, yeah, if you go to this setting that, you know, you're not committing to anything, but you're just doing basic compression. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm thinking in the right direction. This is awesome. Nice. So, Okay, so let's get just way nerdy. Let's get way nerdy. Yeah, yeah. All right. I didn't get nerdy enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, you talked well, you talked about it and you're like, well, not committing, but but definitely using it, right? So yeah. do you mix from the top down? Do you do top down mixing or do you go from channel to channel and then end with your master bus? <clears throat> top down. So I so like just starting I, with everything on your master no, yeah, bus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I know I know exactly what you're talking about. And I've I've done bottom top, top down, a uh, couple of different things. Uh and like I said, I've I've thought about this a lot. I settled on like throwing everything up and if something bothers me, I just go at it. You know? Oh okay, I, I do have uh, my subgroups. So if we're talking about, I have all my channels and everything subgrouped to something. So yes. there's an all drums subgroup. There's a, a bass, um, guitar and vocals and a, a keys. You know, if it's it's there, ready to go in my template. Yeah. I, I, I mix using templates. Um, I do have uh, a master chain, but it's bypass. It's okay. bypass when I start. It's it's a limiter, and like uh, the SSL bus compressor. Nice. You know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm that's my main bus compressor, so I'm gonna end up using it eventually. Yeah. But that all that stuff is bypass, and the only thing I really have going uh, is like the bus processing. I use the Plugin Alliance uh, plugins, the SSL E channel. It's the E channel, and you can switch it over to the G channel on the compressor side. So I have the SSL channel strips all on my master bus, and that's basically like okay, without doing anything, all my channels are running through a console kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. And that goes back to the whole idea of like, okay, here's traditionally how we've mixed, you know, all these, you're like all these great hits, you know, have it done basically and simply on a console through like this kind of like routing. Let me start there. And then digital can allow me to break the rules if I so feel like it. <laughs> so I mix middle out, I guess. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I start with that. And then, more often than not, I'm, I'm hitting up the drums because it's like once you lock in like the kick and the snare and then the bass, then and and kind of like put the vocal where it needs to be, then it, it everything else is just okay. Detail, 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 yeah, detail, detail, yeah, detail. Yeah. And you go until it's like I can't I can't hear anything anymore. It sounds cool. 
Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And halfway through, I'll put on my bus compressor and, and limiter. Once things are like, okay, cool, I got some good energy really working together. Now let's kind of start to contain some stuff a little bit more. So like halfway through the mix, that thing gets turned on. And then I'll, I'll put my limiter my limiter on. So it's really like yeah. cooking. Like you, you're starting with a nice base, and then you're mm-hmm. not you're not just throwing the garlic in at the first thing. You're waiting for yeah. the right time to throw the yeah. Nice. I, nice. I suppose so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cooking's always been a good analogy for mixing. Absolutely. What's your but, favorite? But, uh, yeah. <clears throat> what's your favorite uh, kick drum mic? Oh, oh, uh, the one I own, obviously. <laughs> okay, what's what's that one? I'm curious. <laughs> that's 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 a fu- that's a funny question. Like, what's your favorite anything? It's like the one I own, you know. <laughs> um, obviously, so I have. Let's talk about kick drums. SC Electronics came out with uh, um, some drum mics a couple of years ago, um, and that's what I use: the SC Electronic V Kick. And okay. it has different um, switches, so you can change out the EQ. Nice. So they have a more, it's, it's a much more traditional flat. There's a flat setting, and then there's like a scoop setting and like an altered high end. And so you can go from like something kind of like a, an AKG, where it's pretty open, to yeah. something kind of like a D6, where it's definitely process, you know? Yeah. And so that gives me a lot of, uh, um, choices in kick drum mics because because by now i know what i'm looking for and i can tell what i need to get from the kick nice well i saw i saw one of your posts uh because i was creeping trying to find great questions for you yeah you i your saw research. <laughs> i yeah. do you have to right That's great man <laughs> this is this is a great podcast wow <laughs> so i saw that you modded a mic and you're, you're like, just follow the directions and solder, and you'll be fine. This is a great mic to begin with, but you're doing little tweaks to, to certain mics. Um, mm-hmm. What, like, for a person that's just getting into it, um, maybe wants something that they can mod later on, but that they just need a solid mic right now, what's the one mm-hmm. mic you would tell a, your students to get? You'd be like, hey, man, just get one of these, learn how to use it, and maybe we can, you know, do some modifications of the circuitry later, but start with this what do you tell your students oh okay so so you're talking about like a microphone a good microphone to start with and then a mic that has like potentials to be like upgraded or, or change if yeah. you want to get your hands dirty and nerdy um, dirty and nerdy dirty and nerdy yeah <laughs> that's a good one um man yeah uh, i think you're referring to the 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 mic parts microphone that me and uh, uh, two other friends of mine had helped me build um yeah, you, you get the PCB board and all the components and you just like, all right, solder it, put it together. I'm I'm not like, like as, as you made it sound like I, oh, go and mod this mic and do this and change all that. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm not like that awesome or great or really understand kind of what's going on. But yeah, there's a really great company and that guy, Mike, oh, I forget his last name. If you look up mikeparts.com and he also runs the microphone database uh, and recording hacks website as well. Nice. And it's a whole, it's a huge resource of microphones um, and, re- and reviews and just like straight up, like here's kind of what's going on or whatever. And if you find a podcast with the guy and, or interviews, he's got a lot of information on microphones and how they work. And his website sells um, mods that you can, you can um, buy different capsules that, sound kind of like AKG, uh, you know, whatever, whatever, or the Neumann TLM kind of stuff like that. Yeah. Or the U87 um, or the Transformers or the Circuitry. Um, 
man, so you can make I your was, own, you can make your own like just diamond. yeah like you, yeah essentially yeah go go check out that website mikeparks.com mic i believe okay. and um yeah you can just it's like yeah here's all these types of microphones they are all condenser microphones and some tube microphones uh, sm- uh small diaphragm condenser microphones nice. but yeah it's really really cool website really cool resource but I I was looking for a cheap alternative of a really great mic and I took a chance and I was like, all right, cool, 400 bucks. I just got to put it together and yeah. it, it, it's absolutely worth it. Nice. It it does things that, you know, my other microphones don't do. This Rode, I think, sounds really, really great. It's a really great microphone. Um, but you I've know seen, what? Long I've story, a lot of people do that, yeah. Long story short, this microphone right here, the, the one I own, the Rode NT1A um or is this 2a this this is the road nt2a do i own, do i know my own stuff <laughs> it's it's pretty generic road makes really great stuff and it struck me when i was going through class with bissell we would listen to them and i always thought they sounded more generic not i don't want to say generic like but transparent like, like they didn't have a character a little bit yeah. yeah it's like hey what what we were hearing over there is kind of what's coming out of the speakers you know like that's a really good representation yeah. of it aside from other microphones that like did a thing yeah. and cost thousands of dollars and it's like well that's cool that's cool and so uh, yeah this was a great budget microphone that i i, I purchased i mean not budget it's it's a uh, it's, it's it's well priced it's a good microphone and very well built that's the thing about road is that they manufacture their own stuff yeah um and and they're like micro pcb boards or something like that where all the all the components are like super super small um i did yeah hear so that, i would say that and and i i'm sorry go ahead oh i was gonna say <clears> i heard that the the owner of road he's doing well because he just bought kurt cobain's uh, acoustic <gasps> from the acoustic sessions and Whoa. yeah from the unplug sessions and he paid like i think it was like in the millions like more than any other guitar in history so yeah i know he's doing good because we support him too we we got road mics all over the place <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i mean they're 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 great they're a good starter and like for the price the more i've used other mics and i keep coming back to this one i was like man i'm so happy like i bought this mic it was funny i originally bought it to do a recording session for a talent and it actually wasn't the mic that sounded the best on that person afterwards i was like "Ah, this probably should have used a different mic or whatever but over the years i realized that wow this mic actually doesn't sound bad on on my voice so anytime i record myself i'll use this one i've used my microphone that i i did a shootout one time and i explained this to the class i was like i'm recording a client uh actually arcade arcade hustlers we were doing a microphone shootout for a vocal session nice and i set up the Delmar Neumann U87. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. I set up a TLM right next to it. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then I, I set up my microphone, which I was going to be like, this is going to be the mic. This is it. I, I built it by hand. This is going to be awesome. And then I threw up the um, the the, the uh, RE20. I threw up the RE20. I was like, whatever. That was the Joker card. Like, hell yeah, let's toss this in there. Yeah. So we... we do uh, some sessions over it and the 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 neumann sounded sounded great because it was really great uh both neumann sounded great got to my microphone i was like this is gonna be it and he starts singing and i was like that's not it oh man like that's a little bright i mean it sounds cool but that's did not match his voice we get to the re20 
the mic that I was just like, yeah, cool, whatever. I'll toss it in there just so I can show the class or something like that. And I was like, oh man, that's the one. Like that, that's fitting him perfectly. Like yeah. whatever his voice does uniquely, that mic is is helping accentuate and, and complement his voice. And that's a really, that was a big lesson I learned that day because we did the rest of the album with that mic and yeah. it, it sounds great i pull it up now i'm like yeah that's that was absolutely the mic man i think it's awesome that you're showing people that like maybe you know the u87 that that's everybody's you know crown jewel mm-hmm. it may not be right for the person and, no, and, and a lot of people you know just come from the thought of like no that's it that's always it but like yeah. giving your students this opportunity to like really just try stuff out and be like we need to serve the client that's that's such a great like yeah that's such and, a great that- way to approach it yeah, that came about because there was always the question of like, what's the best vocal microphone, you know? And and then like like you said, like what's your 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 best kick drum mic? I was like, well, the, the one I own, that's the best <laughs> one. <laughs> but um, yeah, having and and that's the fun part about this art is that you know you can just capture something, um, and then there's like creating something artistic, something that really, you know, like. For me, when I, I I listen to somebody's mix, um, and it's awesome. I'm just like like having that experience of like, whoa, this is coming from the speakers. What the hell? And like we're always kind of shooting for something that really transcends that. I I have a thing about like there's different levels of audio engineering. Level one, you get sound. Because for people who are not audio engineering, like that's kind of a hard part, just getting sound. Yeah. That's what you get, level one. And then once you're able to get sound, level two, you get good sound. And now, like you understand phase, polarity, maybe you're using some EQ, like, yeah, like we're, we're getting sound. This is awesome. We're getting good sound. Yeah. The next level, get great sound. And that's it. Like it's those three, for me, it's been those three levels of like starting from the bottom get good sound and then now it's just a great get great sound that's awesome man I, thanks for going into weeds with me i, I enjoy stuff like that <laughs> i was hoping we could yeah yeah i didn't know i didn't know what we we're going to talk about we we didn't have any prerequisite or or any setup for this it was just like hey we're going to talk i'm like okay cool like <laughs> we're going to talk about some mel brooks or uh, uh old old um <laughs> talk about the jerk or something like that some different movies <laughs> Well, see martin movies yeah well i do have i have so many questions just because you know this let's is go super, for it super yeah cool. man uh, we'll make this a three-hour rogan podcast <laughs> <clears throat> well being so involved with the music you know here in town what do you see that's going on what's going on here in town that you see because you see a lot of bands and you see a <laughs> lot of students so like you got your your hand in a lot of different things so what do you see that's going on in the coastal band what do you think we're we're doing really well what do you think we should be working on as as artists in the coastal band what are we doing really well and what are we working on and what am i seeing um man yeah those those would be th- let me think about that. So, I mean, something that I I saw, and this is really generic and big and, and kind of vague, was that, like, thinking about the punk scene and, like, in the 80s and the 90s and the metal scene, like, when that came out and seeing, like, that youth culture, that that's what they adopted, like, you know, wearing, you know, the flannels and, and being into to rock and, and alternative music. Um, after a while, like, like I'm... <laughs> 
I'm old enough to where I'm detached from whatever like culturally is happening, whatever the hot new words are and stuff like that. And I remember seeing we started doing some uh, hip hop and rap shows at House of Rock. Uh, we had we had Ian Dior, who who's from here in Corpus Christi. Well, he's not here. He doesn't live here anymore. But I, he, I think he got to start in here and the kid's doing amazing now. And it was funny seeing all these uh, like high school, early college kids, you know, like, like, oh yeah, yeah, this is, this is like the demographic, the cultural, you know, like when I was a kid in the nineties, like seeing them, like my, like my brother, he yeah. was, he was a, a, a teenager and a, a product of, of that era. Um, and seeing like that age group now and what they're into. Um, and it was like, wow, like, hip hop is like the main thing now. Like I, I, I know it's been around or whatever, but like it never struck me as like, like the whole idea of like, is rock dying? Yeah. You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it is. It, it's, it's, you know, like, like rock music in general, like there's no more rock stars, you know, like that's over, you know, there was a big, huge, uh, freaking purge a couple of years ago. Everybody remembers like, you know, when Prince died, uh, it was like before, you know, earlier than Tom Petty dying, but a whole bunch of musicians. Yeah just started dying off and it was this weird time of like wow like every all these people that we had in our lifetime like now they're gone now they're passing on like that era of music is is now over you know and, and like what and i've always thought about myself like what's happening now what's kind of going on and and seeing the crowd at the indior i was like dude this is it like these are the people now they're into hip-hop they're into like this whole rap scene kind of stuff like this is pretty cool because it was it, it was a sold out show. It was a big, massive show, huge production. It was it was a lot of cool things, um, but it was it was great scene. So, in in metal and all the metal shows that we do at House of Rock and stuff, there's crowd killers. There's you know there's even the emo kids that flare their yeah. arms about. Which <laughs> I mean, after uh, seeing that happen, was like, what the hell is wrong with these people? You know, like, uh, you know, it's like good old fashioned moshing. What yeah. happened to that? You know, like. <laughs> get off my lawn you freaking emo dancers you know <laughs> but and and that was kind of like what i expect you know seeing in a crowd and stuff like that but like watching the indoor show and some of these hip-hop shows it was like these people start jumping up and down they're having a good time and they were doing like old school moshing like yeah let's just bump into each other and make a big circle and yeah have fun and nobody's crowd killing nobody's doing karate chops or something like that and i was like dude like the way that punk and rock you know had their their moment with like the youth like it, it's rap and hip-hop now like they're really kind of like embodying it and i thought that was really something i don't know maybe i'm going way too far off into like what my own dumb head thinks about but that yeah. was something that struck me of like just standing there and i was like wow this is this is kind of incredible like yeah. i'm watching this whole cultural thing happen like before me and right I get before to see, your eyes <laughs> i get to see them enjoy it you know like the way people did in you know in the in the 90s and the 2000s like wow this is this is really interesting um so, so what big what, general thing yeah 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 well Sorry, no, it's it's really interesting to, that you have a bird's eye view because you're right. seeing it happen like in a live venue mm -hmm. so how, how do you become uh how do you become to work with house rock Casey Lane. Casey Lane. Casey, Casey Lane. Yeah. Casey. I'm gonna keep dropping that name. Casey and Casey Lane. Yeah. That'll 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 get me a cup of coffee in the morning. <laughs> um, Casey Lane. So oh man, what what did it happen? 
I, I still remember my first time going into House of Rock and being like, whoa, this is a bar. I'm, I'm from Mathis. So like being downtown Corpus Christi in a bar with a whole bunch of people, I'm like, this is, this is crazy. Oh, man. Um, I, didn't really, I didn't really meet him till, till years later. I started going to the open mic. So okay. yeah, I started jamming out at open mics a lot. That's where I, I had met um, Cody Strong, um, the Reverend Matt, um a whole bunch of like a, a lot of a lot of my friends and people that i connect with still now are people that i met at open mic uh when i'll go there years ago it was fun um and then i, I became like we were kind of like a house band for sometimes yeah. you're like all right cool let's start up in mic blah, 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 and play some bass or whatever have some drinks and go home and um i was doing audio engineering and so i, I just had happened to meet Casey there or whatever. I was doing the classes at Del Mar, SRT, and Bissell and Casey knew each other. Okay, okay. So there was a lot of like, you know, uh, back and forth from them. And um, their their audio engineer, uh, Jaime, uh, Jaime de la Rosa, he was, he's, if, if we're going to talk House of Rock and audio engineering, Jaime de la Rosa was the guy that held that place down for a decade. Uh, he he kept the boat floating, man, nice. and everybody will, will tell you that it's crazy stuff. Um, but him and I were going to Del Mar at the same time, doing audio audio engineering. Yeah, and I was playing the band, so I just you know knew Casey off and on here and there, meeting him as as a, as the the owner and manager, and I just got more and more involved uh, playing there, hanging out there. I was you know a musician. He's a huge fan of Primus. What? That's amazing. Yeah, I, I don't know why that's not public information. <laughs> um, uh, what call it? So I remember when uh, they were looking for a New Year's show or something like that. And I think him and I just like talked about it or something like, oh, Primus. Oh, yeah, Primus. Like, Because I would play Primus like at open mic. I'd be like, oh, here's maybe too many puppies or something like that. Something yeah. simple I can play on there. Uh, and he was like, hey, man, like uh, I'm a huge fan of Primus saw them uh, back in the 90s uh, doing blah, 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 and, you know, open up for whatever. And it's like, yeah, check out this, you know, um, flyer I got from Primus. Like, the dude's a huge Primus nice. fan, you know? If it wasn't a giant rooster tattoo on his back, it'd probably be less Claypool. Just, <laughs> hey, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So we just connected on a lot of stuff like that. He gave me a job at the kitchen. I was, I had graduated Del Mar. And, um, you know, you graduate college and you just kind of, mess around for you know a while trying to figure your life out yeah and i was like all right get a real job <laughs> i'm gonna do this music thing get a real job so i got a real job when they opened up the uh, the pizza kitchen there at house of rock and i was probably there for the first three four months or i forgot how long it was a couple of months um i i, I left because i actually got a studio job uh working with uh, uh dylan eli yeah at dylan. the loop studio when it when it was here yeah yeah Name drop Dylan Eli, <laughs> Casey Lane, Dylan. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, and and um, I mean after that, Casey and I just you know did more and more stuff. And then once I became um, the head audio engineer there, um, you know we just hung out a lot more and nice. just became really good friends. You know he's he's from a small town as well because he was like, "You're from Mathis, right?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm from Mathis." Uh, Saul, so there's you know, Saul Padron, another name <laughs> drop there. So he's from Mathis too, right? Yeah. And, and then we had a buddy of ours who was doing like posters and graphic design for us. 
And he's like, your, your, your buddy who does the graphic design, he's, he's from Mathis too. I'm like, yeah, yeah. He's like, bro, what's going on in Mathis? I'm like, lots of good things, I know, man. We, we had to get out of there. And he's like, well, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm from a small town as well. So you know, it's like, Hey, it makes sense. I'm like, cool, cool, man. Appreciate that. I feel like those small town people, we just, we have that drive that we're like, no, we we're going to do something like band was yeah. huge where I was from. And obviously band was huge where where, Matt where were you was. originally from? Let's talk I'm, about you. Uh, no, no. <laughs> I'm from Kingsville, and if you you, you know Kingsville, King, Kingsville had the band, but they had nothing else. So <laughs> you're either in the, band, the, or Mathis. you're one of the you know one of the guys that play tried to play football or tried to play baseball or whatever else. But mm-hmm. band was like their thing. So I feel like all these you know I have friends that are band directors now, and like it's like these small little towns that have this mm-hmm. 200 piece marching band, and you're just like. What? Not even the Corpus schools have 200 pieces in their margin, man. They're like, oh, yeah, we audition 250 and we take the best 200. And you're like, you have auditions. <laughs> <laughs> you have to re- reject people? Yeah, Jeez. yeah. So I, I, yeah. that's awesome to hear. I'm, I'm super happy to hear that, that Casey's from a small town because I feel like, yeah, we connect with that even more. So, yeah, man. Like my friends and I, um, like we, we, uh, you, you, being from a small town is very, very comfortable. It is very, very comfortable. I'm, I'm actually uh, going to be moving back to the family home uh, in a couple of months. So this, it's kind of cool. This podcast kind of like rounds out. Like, hey, came to Corpus, did some cool stuff, did a podcast. All right, time to move back to Mathis. Um, I don't, I don't have to be in Corpus. COVID, it's whatever, you know. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, so I don't have yeah. to be here every day. Um, well, yeah, it's very. Go ahead. I was gonna say, like, can, can you, you did speak a little bit about like your Primus tribute band, but what mm-hmm. else is right. going on musically? Like, uh, I know you can't like musicians can't stop. It's like we have our hand in like everything. You know what I mean? So yeah, you have your you have your Primus group with Dave Adams, I believe. Yeah, Dave yeah. Dave Adams name drop there. <laughs> so anybody, I, anybody know Dave Adams? I think I think everybody <laughs> knows Dave Adams. <laughs> yeah, everybody's heard his snare. Yeah, yeah, <sighs> felt it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it just like slaps across the face, <sighs> dude. So what what else are you doing musically? Like what's what's oh, what's man. on the what's on the horizon for you musically? That's that's funny because I, I I see people out and they're like, hey man. When's the next time you're gonna play? I'm um, usually like pick a band. Like I'm like I'm sorry, I don't mean to be mean. Sorry, but it's like, you know, there's a couple. At, at a certain point, it was like, hey, uh, I saw you play mariachi. That was awesome. And some like, hey, I saw you in the Pink Floyd band. That was awesome. And someone's like, hey, I saw you in the Primus band. That was awesome. Or hey, I saw you filling in with Splendiferous. That was awesome. And so it was. Um, it's always been a fun thing like that. If, if I have time to do it, then yeah, I'm going to go, go, go do it and have some fun. Uh, right now, musically, uh, it's, it's the, the Primus band, Poetry and Prose. Nice, yeah. It's the uh, Any Color You Like band where we do, we do Pink Floyd. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a really fun band. And they're just like, yeah, I, I, I have fun playing this stuff, you know, like playing, playing music isn't like my main thing where I, I make uh, my income. So it, you know, obviously it's, it's a uh, audio engineering, but you know, I, the times I do have, yeah, I'll go and I, I can, I can play out. I don't do mariachi much uh, anymore. Um, I started, started focusing much more on, on audio engineering. I, I, I was, I was saying no to mariachi gigs so I could say yes to audio engineering gigs, you know, to record somebody or to do some live sound. And so it was like, 
everything's on the weekends. I'm going to have to make a choice. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. So it's it's playing those bands. It's uh, recording under the the Ox Studio moniker, um, and it's doing uh, live sound at, at House of Rock and also uh, um, Second Baptist Church. Nice. Uh, Chris Reedus. Yeah, another Chris Reedus. Yeah, amazing <laughs> studio drummer. Oh man, like and 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 like I asked Dave and Chris, like I I have all these top tier friends that do very specialized things, so I could be like, hey, so when you're tuning a drum, blah, 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 whatever, you know? yeah. and in turn they'll be like, hey, when you're miking a thing, yeah. So that that goes of of uh, having that relationship with with people that are very specialized or maybe do what you do, but at a much higher level. That you know, hey, let me ask a question and you know, kind of see what's going on. Um, yeah, I feel like like um, you know the digital recording thing has opened up that community because now mm-hmm. everybody has a way to you know just setting up the podcast. We're like, do you guys need audio? Do we need to send a a Zoom to your house mm. and that way you can? And they're like, no, we we're we're good. And it was like everybody was saying, I was like, yeah, wow, yeah. everybody. This and this increases community because like you know we're trying to figure it out and yep. he, other people are trying to figure it out. So it, it develops that really cool. I don't know. I guess you would call it a subgenre of just audio people. They're working at stuff, you know, here in the coastal band or pretty much everywhere, but definitely we're, mm-hmm. we're seeing it here in the coastal band. Um, yeah. Like, like high, high end recording audio has, has become like a really approachable, like hobby. Yeah. You know? So it's like, yeah, I, I can, you know, anybody can just go get, excuse me really edit that out uh really really <laughs> decent um sounding recording equipment you know like just go get a scarlet go get yourself a road uh you know decent microphone cable and bam that's it yeah. you know i started telling people or when i was getting into it i realized like this is a really really great time to get into audio because it's so much cheaper now because yeah. before it's like you got to get a console mm-hmm. you got to get a tape machine you got to know how to work the tape machine you know, um, yeah, it was so much more convoluted in in the full analog days. You know, I mean, people talk about like how great like analog is, but it's like, man, it was it's kind of tough making sure like all that stuff just works. Yes, and it keeps working. You know, yeah. maintenance. You know, but 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 that's part of part of that sound. You know, like you're going into something and you're kind of breaking it. You're kind of like getting into it. And it's like. Yeah, now that's that that saturation. The sound of analog is cool. Working with it might be a little tougher. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about Aux Studio. Yeah. So Aux Studio, um, it's it's basically me. That's it. You you call up Aux Studio. It's it's me on the phone. Yeah, it's not somebody yeah, yeah. else from a, a Philadelphia or something. <laughs> um, I I started it so. So I did uh, time with uh, Dylan Eli at the Loop Studio. So shout, shout yeah. out to him and, yes. and uh, Michelle, his wife, in California now. Um, I was working there with them. I had a lot of cool stuff. Um, um, great time. And they made the choice that, hey, we're going we're gonna to move to California. And so I was like, oh, man, okay, cool. I'll, okay, I'll make my own studio. I'll, uh, you know, whatever clients that I have here working with me, I can take those over. I'll, I'll get a space. I'll take out my savings, just dump it yeah. all into there. And we're going to make this jump. We're going to do this, you know? And so they had moved out. This this goes to a whole concept of like um, 
um, like what we do as a gig culture. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, at any moment the phone could stop ringing. Yeah. And that it's kind of, a, it's kind of a terrifying like industry to be in. Not so, so not only in this, like I said, I thought about this stuff for a long time. Not only is it like you should be versatile and hopefully you can get that phone to start ringing because people think you're worth it and you're valuable enough, but then, okay, I need to keep that. I need to keep that phone ringing. Yeah. And at any moment it can just stop because we do like we're, I've always known we're not essential. You know, what we do is fun. We thrive when the economy is thriving. Yes. You know, when the, the financial crisis happened, you know, like, you know, gigs started going down stuff like that um the industry wasn't wasn't happening too much but um yeah and, and that was the thing with 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 uh covid when that dropped it was like yeah the phone just stopped ringing for everybody and i i knew that um i always had to be prepared for something and just like know that at any moment people would just stop calling me to do audio work like maybe they don't like my work or whatever for whatever reason yeah. it's like it can all just go away because we're incredibly lucky to like do something like this and have a, a flow of income through it as well like we can we can really enjoy something with our lives put a lot of effort into it and it can help us uh, uh maintain um so yeah that was that was a crazy crazy concept um man I forgot what the question was. I totally oh, went into something. Oh, no, 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 no. You're good. Like, uh, <laughs> I was just asking about the studio and, and, and. Oh, you know, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> back to the loop. <clears throat> uh, so they, they head out uh, and they close the studio down and I was like, okay, I'm going to find a space, put all my money into it and we'll see what happens. And I came up on the name Aux Studio. Um, and I was like, okay, cool. I, I, I like, I like that name. And, the kind of idea was that I always had, I never wanted to own a studio because that just seemed like a lot of money and a lot of business stuff, you know, yeah, like yeah. owning a studio is a huge, you know, thing to, to undertake working in somebody's studio. Now that, that sounds like a cool idea. Like I can learn all this audio engineering stuff and then just show up to somebody's studio and be like, boom, 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 boom. Cool. Awesome. Thank you very much. And then, you know, <laughs> here's your cut. Here's my cut. And it all works out. So kind of like the whole idea of Aux Studio was that every studio I work in is an auxiliary of me. Nice. So um, it, it worked out to where <clears throat> I haven't had to like go buy a space or something like that um due to great circumstances and some kind kind friends of mine um like i usually do a recording out of del mar and um the cool thing about that is that i do that under the stipulation that anything i record there i get to use in turn um for educational purposes nice so everything that i that i have there at del mar anybody that's come through i've you know not not everybody i've shown in class but it's like hey here's a very unique situation, something that happened or something that is common that you should be aware of that, that kind of uh, went on, check it out and play it for them and show them, you know, what we did or, or how it all worked out. Um, right now that, you know, Delmar isn't allowing anybody on campus. I'm uh, the, the kind gentleman from Harbor city sound lab, uh, Matt Roussel yeah. and uh, Brian, they're, they're letting me uh, uh, rub shoulders over there and hang out in their space. And so, 
as Aux Studio, you know, I can go to Harbor City Sound Lab and do some work, then bam, cool, awesome, done. Nice. And and now recording technology, like I have my my uh, RME Babyface interface, and I take that over there with my mics, uh, in my in my laptop, and and that's that's it, you know. Nice. And I use their infrastructure, and boom, done. What do you think the most important thing is for a studio? Like, is it is it gear? Is it the room? Is it the you know what 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 would you say is makes or breaks a session so what makes or breaks a session is communication oh, that's see. that's the main thing understanding understanding somebody um what we do is a very very personalized interaction with somebody and so um there's a class at Delmar called interpersonal communication. And I was like, that, what the hell does that mean? And when I went to the class, I'm like, I learned all this stuff like a long time ago. I, I grew up with some, some unique situations uh, and experiences. So I was like, yeah, understanding somebody, knowing how to communicate with somebody and interacting with them in a way that they can, can receive or, or listen very well. Um, that's something from my past experience that I really bring to the table that, okay, let me understand you and try to get you're you're trying to express something that is inside of you that you maybe can't fully articulate and my job is to understand you as a person an individual and to let that happen gotcha yeah yeah that makes sense that makes a lot of sense well yeah and 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 yeah there's there's i've had some failed sessions because i didn't understand the person or the situation uh, and some really cool stuff happened because it's like, okay, cool. I, I'm fully aware and understand kind of, kind of what's going on. So communication, it, it, communication on the most basic things and communication on the most like abstract metaphysical thing. I just realized my light, my light went out. <laughs> it's nice, nice, darker. Yeah. <laughs> nice little mood lighting. Yeah. Yeah. This is cool. Well, that's at the top. So yeah, where does everything else fall in? Or is it just like we can do anything with anything? You mean as far as like what a studio needs? Yeah, 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 yeah. What, what, what do you mean doing anything with anything? So like I can record in any room in any situation, get a good sound. Or there's some like specific things that you're like, oh, uh, well, <laughs> yeah, you probably need, you know, some bass traps or, you know, you need <clears throat> good monitors, you know, you got to be able to hear or, you know what I mean? the the i mean with any any you can you can go to guitar center and anything they have in the recording section section that's fine that's that's totally fine like like we're in a really great time in recording history like it's it's insane the main thing is is like the source really or okay. i mean yeah, I mean, you can pick the source, but like, if you want to talk about something that's going to give the biggest influence, then we're going to talk about the room, like your actual acoustic environment. Because I mean, maybe you want to record something that sounds trashy or whatever, so you record trash. But if you're recording the trash outside or inside, like you're trying to get a very specific thing, your your environments, being aware of how things are reflecting and how they're going to sound, because that I mean, that does give an influence on your recording, yeah. uh, big time. I mean, if you if you're gonna alter the sp spatial sounding of it later, then you have to understand that 
we need to remove that in the recording process so it's not an influence. Or if you really want that, then okay, let's put this in a tunnel and then we'll excite like, it and then that's the sound that we're gonna that we're gonna kind of want. Or we just need kind of something generic and in general, like understanding that is very, very crucial. Um, like like drum rooms, that's the biggest one. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You guys have an um, amazing room. I mean, just it, crazy room. Yeah, yeah. It, that's it's a we have we have the studio A. So oh yeah, so Delmar, we have fantastic studios that nobody can use right now. <laughs> um, yeah, there's the big studio A, which can fit you know like an entire orchestra, you know, and a band, um, you know, a whole choir in there. So it's really massive. There's Avion systems. It's it's full. I mean. Uh, well, there's uh, there's a recording booth in there, like a small little box yeah, that we yeah, have in yeah, Studio yeah. A. Um, that was what we learned in. <laughs> that that box was in a classroom, and it was Bissell like, all right, cool. So we're gonna record some stuff, and we go in the box and record, 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 and come out. And it's like that's our recording studio. That was where we started. That's that was amazing. where I learned. Yeah, so that's how far the SRT program at Delmar has has came along. Like after I graduated and started doing uh, professional work, then we start seeing the pictures. You know, Bissell is like, "Check it out, new studio." It's like, dude, yes, oh my god! Like, and in the, the SSL console, it's like, yes, kids these days they 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 don't know <laughs> they don't no, know they got it. man. They know. There's two SSL consoles in Corpus, right? But I think I think I saw two. I think I saw one downtown. Well, we have. Well, yeah. Well, so there's a two at Delmar. Oh, I forgot uh, you got uh, the one in studio. So it's the, three the in Matrix. Town. Yeah, um, and Dusty. Yeah, El yes, Dusty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> he has. I, I think he has the, the same one we have in Studio A. Dude. Yeah, that's an incredible. Amazing. Yeah, incredible hybrid. Uh, I think it's it's like digital analog. It's it's got the EQ on it and everything. It's it's a good. It's a good console, yeah. I mean, like, if for me to finally be like, it's an SSL, man, this is cool. <laughs> um, yeah, because I think Freddie Records, they in in the in the other room, they have a, a Sony console. I think we, we'd have to ask Eli Molina. That, that that'd be another guy you got to have on here because he's he's breaking it down over at uh, at Freddie Records. Nice, and I believe it's an. That's a Pro Tools console. Yeah, yeah. The main, the, the main room. The icon, yeah. Icon, I think it was. I think so, okay. yeah. And um and so, I, I know Mason Shirley. He got his SSL matrix. Yes. I've, I've seen the pic. Mason Shirley, there you go. Like yeah. I'm, I'm trying to just get everybody's guys, name out there. Yeah, yeah like you got and you started with me, man. You started with me. <laughs> <laughs> gotta start strong. Gotta start it, strong. You, it can only go up from here it can only go <laughs> up from here yeah absolutely <laughs> man dude well we appreciate you coming man is, is there anything else that we didn't cover that you'd like to like just kind of touch on before before we close this out oh man uh anything it can be anything best coffee you know places what? in town you know okay you know what i so you mentioned i have the bird's eye view yeah so i see a lot of bands i see a lot of professional bands I see a lot of beginner bands and there's a couple of things I've been sitting on and contemplating of like, you know, like, like as, as an audio engineer, people are like, Oh man, you made it sound so good. And it's like, I, I don't make you sound good. You make you sound good. I just make it clear what you sound like, whether that be it sucks or it doesn't, you know, um, to, to not offend me on stage is to not suck. 
if you don't suck on stage, then all right, cool, we're gonna have a, an awesome day, you know. <laughs> um, so like, there's a couple of things I've been thinking about, like, what could help bands that are maybe starting out, or like, are, are at kind of like any level here in Corpus, like things that you could do that I've seen most commonly, um, like vocalists, you know, microphone right in your face, you know, it's not gonna come out of your ear. Yeah, you know, don't pull back all the dynamic stuff like that as audio engineers we can handle that so get as close as possible to that microphone because not only is it picking you up but it's also picking up your drummer who's super heavy-handed yeah which leads us to the drummer hey drummers you know um most commonly they're really exciting those symbols they're laying into it all you have to do is excite them that's all you really have to do. Get those symbols to excite up. And you know what? Lay into the shells more. Now, there are some heavy-handed snare hitters. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they're fine. They're fine. But but more common than not, you know, they're excited about the hi-hat. They're feeling it, and they're like, yeah. But they're kind of like, uh, uh, on the kick drum and like, eh, on the snare. And it's like, dude, like, bring the shells out more. Get yeah, okay. that to sing in the room. And then excite the symbols that's all you have to do because they they can handle themselves nice um bass players which is that's that's my home right there Forte, yeah. um you know new strings and you're married to the drummer like just lock in to the kick i had trouble with this uh actually i like to think i have a pretty good sense of time and i've played with drummers that that are like the caliber for me that are like they're a sense of time um i've been in situations to where drummer's wrong he's he's holding back and i'm like come on like this let's, let's go let's yeah. go and, and i'm trying like to, to bring it up to like hey let's let's stick to me stick to me and that's that's not a fight you're gonna win mm. you know like if, if it's a marriage then you need to shut up and and do what <laughs> what the drummer says because now i'm wrong yeah I, in my head, I'm right. It's right here. It's this tempo, and the drummer's like doing whatever. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. He's right. You stick to him. It's going to sound better that y'all are tight and the wrong tempo than it is for you to be like, mm, mm, fight. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So just stick and lock into it. Um, guitar players. Guitar players are the number one killer of guitar tone why and and this and this is like growing up before i knew audio engineering and good sound and great sound and it was like man this pedal and this tone and you know this hand wired and this thing and blah blah blah, blah and my tone and my tone my tone my tone my tone my tone, my tone and i'm going through like 50 guitar pedals and it's like <clears throat> yeah yeah man like every pedal everything you do is affecting your your guitar tone so i would say keep it simple like always find a way to keep it simpler, you know, and, and stand in front of your amp, like get, get a audience perspective of your amp. Uh, I had a friend of mine, we were setting up to do a show and he was playing his guitar and I was like, dude, dude, like, Hey, come down here. And he's like, what's up? I'm like, listen to your guitar. Kink. Oh my God. Like, it sounds terrible. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I, I know. Like, yeah, I know. Let's pull that back a little bit. <laughs> so get get perspective. Um, yeah, th those are the things that I would say for like 
any band just like, hey, those are like the most common things that I've seen, you know, just like, you know, that I, I would if, if I told any band any one thing, it, it, if I told band anything, it'd be like those things, mostly in generic. Yeah. Nice, 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 nice. And and that's my con- contribution to the bands and musicians of, of Corpus Christi, Texas from Ox Studio. You heard it here from the man, from the guy that's, that's taking care of you. Take care of him and he'll take care of you. <laughs> that's always the mantra. Take care of the take care of the audio engineer and he will take care of you. <laughs> Annoying. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll have a good time. We'll have a good time. And, and you know what's funny, man? Like, um I I've 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 come across a lot of uh TMs and a lot of audio engineers and I've rarely is is this podcast PG thirteen or rated R? Oh, it's up to you. It's up to you. Uh, I I or just just you know if you bleep me out, please use the one K tone, just super loud. <laughs> like that's always been my favorite. <laughs> the one K uh, tone. You just a. <laughs> it's so annoying, but I, I love it, and it's so obvious what the word is. Uh, but I've rarely ever met like a straight up asshole. Like somebody just shows up and you're like, yo, man, blah, 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 blah. And it was like, da, 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 da. And it's like, and, and like, that's the dude's personality. That's the way he is. You know, like somebody who's super uh, difficult to work with. I don't think I've ever actually met anybody that's really like that. What I have met are people that have gotten to the end of a stick and they're like not having, or they're super frustrated or they're getting, you know, shit down on them. Please bleep that. <laughs> um, <laughs> And they're and and they're like, and they're ready to crack. And you just so happen to like, you know, be a, a casualty of, of whatever they're feeling, you know, because because later in the day, I'll find out that like, you know, okay, they realize something, or you know, they they're kind of coming around to it, or something like that. So I I always like going back to the communication thing. It's like I always approach somebody, you know, all these people that are touring and traveling very professionally, even people here locally. I always approach them as professional as possible try to get them comfortable you know it's it's our house but you are our guests yeah. and we want to make y'all feel as comfortable as possible so you can have a great show you know that's that's a big thing um but yeah yeah i i thought i thought that was funny you know because you know you're getting sometimes you get some big heads that kind of go through there but most of the time it's you know somebody who gives you like a a, a bad experience or something like that more often than not, they're they're going through something, and you just kind of caught wind of it. Yeah, you know, you you happen to just, just kind of be there, and they snapped at you, maybe, you know. And don't let that stuff, you know, bother you or get to you. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's just trying trying to get through the show, get have a good show. Everybody's goal is the same. We're just trying right, to figure it right. out. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Dude, I appreciate you so much, really and truly. Like this was great getting to know you. I, I love it because a lot of the people that I'm interviewing, <laughs> I haven't got to hang out with. Well, we definitely haven't gotten to hang out with in months. Yeah, because of all this. Yeah. Uh, but dude, it makes it means so much for you to be here, dude. Really and truly, thank you so much. Uh, it, it's an honor. It's definitely an honor that you asked me to be on the first one. So if anything <laughs> goes wrong, you can just delete this from the history and it never existed. This is coming up. And go this talk to some, go, go talk to Casey Lane. That's 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 a who's who in this in this town. Yeah, <laughs> definitely gonna be Casey and Mason and and everyone else. But uh... I'm excited for the Mason the Mason Shirley episode. Yeah, when that comes up, you know, uh, you know who else. Uh, uh, Robert Beltran, he's another really great engineer. Yeah, where's he at? He does, uh, uh, what's the name of his studio? Precision Studio. Precision, yes. And he's also front of house engineer for um, for Brewster Street. Nice. 
Yeah. 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 I, I got to do some uh, some filling gigs over there and it's a it's a fun place. It's a fun. Yeah. Place they have there. an icon, yeah. too, don't they? I they think. have uh, is it an avid. It's it's uh, not the icon. Uh, what's it called? <clears throat> I, f- I forgot already, man. Those avid concerts are monsters. So is it Digico or avid? It's definitely avid because it's got those cool little mushroom. nods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they look cool. <laughs> but it's just like <laughs> stupid work. Will you work? Well, it is outside, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and and man, it's audio engineering is you know our live sound. Live sound is putting audio kind of where it just really doesn't belong, man. <laughs> but 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 you know what? Like a big mantra for me uh, for live sound for studio is that we make it work. Yeah, you know, like that's that's what we do. Ken Pooch talks about that where it's like you're not hiring me to get it to sound great or to sound awesome or i can run this console you know when the pa is on fire and the console is upside down and you know everything there's a huge riot we're gonna make it work you know and it's like yeah yeah it's like we we make it work that's essentially all we really do yeah i don't make you sound good you you make you sound good that's you, you hear that corpus christi i never made you sound good every band i've ever done sound for i've never made you sound good you you make you sound good pat yourself on the back (laughs) well dude we appreciate all you do (laughs) guys go check out ox on uh instagram ox studio on instagram yeah yeah i'm on instagram ox studios underscore texas i think or something like that yeah and then i'm I'm also on facebook i'm not too much social media active but hey send me a dm or give me a call or something yeah make it work and check out poetry and pro poetry and prose right (laughs) sorry that's tough to say Poetry and prose, a tribute to Primus. Yeah, yes. yeah. I may, I may do some video stuff on there. You asked what I was doing musically. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm just working, working, surviving, doing mixes. You know, doing t- teaching at Del Mar. You know, um, it's a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, maybe I'll put up some. I, I picked up my bass, hand picked it up in a long time. So I was like, we just play some stuff. <laughs> this will be fun. Yeah. Well, we didn't get into out. the gear, but but right quick for those of you, for those of us that are very curious. Uh, yeah. What are you playing bass wise? What's what's your what's your gear right now? What bass? You, because I've seen you with the jazz bass, I've seen you with mm-hmm. an Ernie Ball bass, I've seen you with a, a Sound Gear bass. What's 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 your flavor these days? Man, how long have you known me? And I'm just <laughs> I'm just a gearhead, and I'm usually in the back being like, oh, that sounds cool. That's what's funny. That? <laughs> yeah. So my main my main uh, girl is the uh, Ibanez Prestige. Nice. I was incredibly lucky to get to get that that one used and that's like the like the 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 probably the greatest bass that I own right now like craft wise and sound wise I'm like this covers a lot of ground and it sounds amazing. So I use that one a lot and it, it's really ver- uh, um really uh, um limber for the primus stuff. Nice. So any of the four string stuff, yeah, yeah. So it's like the Ibanez are they have like that that fast kind of neck, um, really slim, yeah. And it and it has a much more like modern bass tone, you know, that kind of yeah, uh, you yeah, can get yeah. that that really kind of speaking kind of mid range. It's it's got Bartolini pickups on it, Ooh, so yeah, it's it's nice. got that that modern kind of bite um, that that you hear from basses. I do have a um, that that Mexican bass. Yeah, it's a Fender Jazz Mexican. Okay. Actually, it's it's a weird one because when I got it, it said so it says like Fender 
or no, it, it, usually Squires will say Squire. Yeah, yeah, Fender. yeah. This one, I still have the headstock, and it says Fender Squire. Interesting. That may have been yeah, one of the it, Japanese uh, or one of the, remember the Japanese ones are just so sought after. Because they're 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 oh, like they're they're yeah. yeah they're like the craftsmanship is just so amazing oh, wow. out there. So like uh, right. Rome has a baritone from Japan, and, oh nice, and he bought it at Sound Vibes, but it's it's, mm -hmm. a, it's a long scale baritone B two B, and uh, he bought it for like five hundred bucks back in the early two thousands, probably two thousand nine or two thousand eight, probably late two thousand, and um, right. now they're going for like fifteen hundred. And I was Whoa. like, well, what's going on? It was like, dude, crafted in Japan, made in Japan. Those are like <sighs> those are like American killers. So like you may want to check that out. That may be something No, no yeah, I, I looked it up because there was so little information on it. And the best I could surmise was that I think it was like there was a fire at, at one point in California and they were like, All right, well, let's get these rejected ones out of here and just like like it like the bodies were actually um fender like wood but the electronics they're like we'll just put mexican electronics on it and okay. cool we'll sell it as something like whatever you know the the neck uh is is ruined so i had to get that replaced with warmoth okay okay, okay. um i want to get some uh some aguilars Ooh, in there yeah yeah those would be pretty rad i'm a i'm a um, closet bass head like bass just, is a lot of fun dude, yeah yes. <laughs> <laughs> the other one that I had, the other one that I have um, is the Schecter five string. I think it's like a diamond series or something okay. like that. Yeah, nice. Yeah. It was used at, at Guitar Center. I showed up and I was like, what do you got in today, boys? You know, and they're like, we got this one. And I started playing it. I'm like, wow, this is cool. Uh, so I have a lot of fun with that one. Um, I had a couple, I, I used to talking about bass heads man um and i doing all the primus stuff i used to have uh esp ltd 254 with the tremolo installed on it whoa yeah so if if you want to stalk further there's a video <laughs> of uh of our first primus show it's not that great but i'm using that that black uh esp bass and i have the tremolo on it yeah that definitely one was, gotta check that out that one was stolen from me uh oh. years ago yeah, I and I used to have a, a six-string Schecter. That was awesome. Cherry, Fireburst, Cherry Red. Mm, but no, that, that Well, this is well. a good plug for that because if anybody sees an ESP with a trim on it, that's very <laughs> specific. Not many out there. Not yeah. many. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Well, man, again, thank you so much. Like, it means a lot. This, this is going to air on the 2nd of October. So that's oh, our, wow. our initial. So, uh, and I'm really looking forward to maybe a follow up interview for season two, maybe season three, if you're down for that. I'm, and we I'm can the get, first. Yeah, so we can I get even the more return. in the weeds and really like I don't know, <laughs> talk about something like gain structure. I don't know. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That that literally is another like 45 minute conversation <laughs> right there. Yeah. Well, dude, we appreciate your time, and when it's all over, let's hang out, please. We'll just absolutely, man. We'll geek out yeah. some more. But thank you again so much, man. I appreciate it. This was a huge, a huge honor, man. Thank you, thank you for having me, for being, for being the first, and and thank you for doing this. Like this is this is a really cool thing. When you said like, what do um, what do musicians and stuff like, what do we need to do uh, as a city? Like stuff like this. Yeah. This, this is cool. This stuff to like really highlight what's kind of going on and like, there's a lot of amazing talent yes here, man so 
like I said, I, I, I blushed a bit where I was like, whoa, whoa, me, what are you talking about? Like <laughs> all these other people that I could just name drop that are like, dude, go talk to them. Go talk to Dr. Bissell. Check out what, he, what he's got. He's to say. on the I list. Mean, he's definitely yeah, on the list. Sweet, sweet. <laughs> yeah, man. There's, there's a lot of really, really cool people. A lot of, a lot of talented people. Um, yeah. Thank you for doing this. I'm, I'm excited to see, uh, to see this grow. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. We'll catch you soon. Sweet, dude. All right. <laughs> Once again, Alex Hernandez, check him out. We'll see you guys soon on the Bandemic Podcast. Yeah.